I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing... A Road Less Travelled by Scott Peck. Um, I read this a couple of years ago, and I remember as as I was going through it, um, certain sections of it really stood out to me especially the ones around discipline. And I felt really daunted to read the section about love. I found it quite, quite confronting. Yeah. Cause I've heard some, some ideas from the book spoken to me before by someone I knew and it sounded really challenging. And I was going through a bit of a, um, yeah, I guess a bit of a, a breakup at the time. And I, I'm not sure I was quite ready to read it. So I remember reading the book yeah. and then going back, back to that section in it as well um, what, you mean you mean you left out that section to start with yeah i i, I started reading it and i found it quite confronting mm. um to read so i went back to it so i'm quite excited to go through it with a bit of hindsight and two years on yeah. and actually get to talk about it with you i suppose um sometimes you get that with books sometimes things resonate with you really well and you really enjoy it and you're like oh this is great you know, kind of seems to fit your map that you already have yeah. of what works. And it's, sometimes it can confirm what you already know. Yeah, he even referenced times, that, didn't he? He talked about this idea of the meaning of the word recognition and that often, like, you read something and it's not like you're learning something new. It's like an author's putting words into experience and beliefs you already have. You just haven't found words for them before. <laughs> Mm. I found that book did this really well. Mm. It, there, there's lots of um, moments of gold throughout it that really, really resonate. Mm. And they can be confronting, but you know when you've heard something that is true or you know to be true and resonates with you. So I, I found there's lots of that in this book. Moments yeah. that hit me quite hard. I found it a, a really enjoyable read, but a really confronting read. I don't know yeah. what overall if you could say that but what what are your views um yeah i found it really enjoyable uh like similar to you particularly the sections on like discipline and love um uh, yeah I'm not, uh, yeah i guess it was confronting in a way it was so i found it quite exciting like uh in that that recognition definition i just said like when someone seems to put words into values you already have but haven't expressed before. Like, I don't know, there's something about that that feels meaningful, that fits nicely. So, yeah, it's mm. exciting when that happens. I found um, the bits exciting, well, the bits that I found exciting were the ones that resonated to me around how basically when you're going to go, if you want to make a change in your life, you have to yeah. be open to challenge. And I know that's something that we we fully embrace, particularly in our, what do you say, like mid-teens in terms of doing quite bold, adventurous things and not doing things out of, doing things because we knew they were difficult and they were going to challenge challenge our worldview. And that's something he talks about in the book, that you have to be willing to redraw your map, let go of certain things, release certain freedoms from your life and take up others. I think that's a a theme that really resonated with me was that if changes to occur, you need to let go 
of certain things in your life because we can hold on so tightly to certain beliefs that hold us back and the way he articulates that yeah that when you do something um challenging or anxiety provoking it's it's inherently going to challenge your belief system and values and that's why it's anxiety provoking and so like each time you do that you're threatening your uh i was gonna say existence but you're you're like threatening your belief structure your belief system each time you challenge yourself so yeah you like you say you have to be willing to let that go if you're gonna put yourself in new situations and expose yourself to new ideas and experiences and there was um there's something I heard today on a podcast, um, the Sam Harris one I was just telling you about with James Clear, basically saying that there's no, you can't have courage without fear. Yeah. You can't be daring and doing something if it doesn't really scare you. Otherwise, it's not courage. Yeah. Well, otherwise, it's not a challenge. Makes it seems sense. quite obvious. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You can't overcome fear if there's no fear to overcome. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, 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 it's again one of those things that this keeps popping up in this book, like hearing things that just make total mm. sense, but it's just the way they're explained. I think um, what makes that um, insight probably more uh, meaningful is that there's so often an attitude of like, oh, well, I'll do it when I feel better about it, or I'll do it when I feel more comfortable, or I'll do it when I feel more confident. You hear that mm. quite a lot, right? Or sometimes you trick yourself into saying that to yourself. Um, when it's the wrong way round, like you're not going to do it when you feel more confident. You're going to feel more confident because you do it. Mm. Yeah, it make, makes me think, it's always getting me thinking about another book that I've read around <laughs> things like that. I feel like I'm going to start going start talking about that book. But, um, we'll, we'll stick to the one we're started on, shall we? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's about, so the, would you say that uh, the book is about pursuing spiritual growth? That's how I would sum it up. Yeah, for yourself and others. Yeah. Yeah. And he, d- I think it's, he breaks it down into different, different areas of your life. Yeah. And in, in particular around discipline, love, um, grace and growth. Yeah. They're the four main areas he covers in the book. And I think it flows really nicely the way he lays a foundation of discipline that yeah. goes throughout the book. And yeah, it's it's a really unique view on on love in particular. That chapter it throws in some interesting concepts that I hadn't really thought of before. Mm. Um, I wouldn't mind starting on um, discipline. Yeah, that makes that's sense because, like, like you yeah. say, it lays the foundation which everything else is built on top of. So, um, I'm definitely yeah. Yeah. W- well curious to dive into love with you after what you said at the beginning. But yeah, let's start a discipline yeah. and work our way up there. Yeah, sounds good. The bit I, I mean, personally, I love any chapter to do with discipline, <laughs> routine, yeah. habits, structure. Cause it feels it feels very practical, doesn't yeah. it? What yeah. do we need to do in order to um, make changes in our life? And the first bit he talks about is delaying gratification. Yeah, um, found that 
interesting. He, he talks about a, a client who he worked with who procrastinated a lot and was quite unable to make changes in her life. Yeah. And he talks to her about, he asked this question to her about, ah, oh, so, you know, she talks about loving chocolate cake or something, or he remembered that from a past meeting. And he goes, what bit of the chocolate cake do you like the most? And mm. she goes, oh, I like the, uh, I like the frosting around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the cake bit second. And he goes, what bit do you eat first? And <laughs> like, she says, Oh, I eat the frosting first yeah. and then the cake later. And it was just like an interesting idea around, it kind of got her thinking about her, her work day and how she often did the more gratifying tasks in the morning yeah. and then had six hours of boring, laborious tasks in the yeah. afternoon yeah. rather than flipping it on its head and doing the more mundane tasks yeah. with the reward at the end. And I, I found in, in my life plenty of examples where delaying gratification has proved really valuable to me, but also not delaying gratification has, you know, down the line, yeah. shaped some, I suppose, more negative patterns and negative outcomes in my life. I wonder what bits of that passage resonated with you. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a funny little anecdote, isn't it? eating the, yeah, it is. yeah, the cake right. before the actual cake um so uh, the, the like it reminds me of the um marshmallow experiment which i'm sure you've probably come across so we're like they gave these four-year-olds the choice between one marshmallow now or like two marshmallows in i don't know i think it was 10 minutes or something and then if they, you wait you can have two yeah is that what it yeah, yeah. And, they, and they film these kids like so but the kid has to just sit in the room with that one marshmallow for the 10 minutes with no <laughs> toys or anything <laughs> and they do all these things like they sit on their hands they try and like look in the corner like avoid looking at this marshmallow and um basically that they followed i think they first did this in the 70s or something and they like followed the kids who they first did this experiment with throughout life and it's like the ones that were able to delay the gratification and have the two marshmallows like were just significantly better off in terms of like education, the amount of money <laughs> they earn, like their health, their relationships. It was just a ridiculous indicator of your life success. <laughs> so I think it's like mm. massively important. And yeah, I like definitely agree with you in my life that it always feels better when you do it and it always feels crap when you don't, like whether it's I don't know. I guess food for me is the one that I think of the most. Like, do I, um, you know, plan to make a healthier dinner or do I like just say sod it and stick something in the oven or microwave or, um, I guess sleep can be another one. Like, do you, I know that if I go to bed at a certain time, then I'll feel fresher the next day. But for some reason, like I've got this impulse to stay up and, carry on watching netflix or whatever it is mm. um so it's like i was gonna say little things like that but really they're not little things because they're like those daily habits that really rack up over time right mm. he talks about how people like as you grow older you start to learn that delaying gratification is a good thing he says you know in six-year-olds you can see that when they're playing 
a game with their friend that they'll go like, oh no, you can go first because they know like if their friend goes first, then they can have like last go to win the game. Yeah, yeah. And he says that the problem occurs when you enter into early adulthood and beyond that you've never really learned how to do that. And I'm sure there's plenty of areas in different people's lives where they are good at delaying gratification and other areas where they're just really poor at it. Mm. Um, an example I've got that isn't quite as typical, um, you know, as maybe the common ones of food, exercise, you know, yeah. diet, all that sort of stuff that is relatively obvious is around being a bit of a, a problem solver. Yeah. So the, the short term gratification of trying to fix something that isn't going well or hasn't gone my way in the short term is a, a good strategy to feel, feel better in yeah. the short term. But then I probably could have benefited more or I could benefit more from yeah. maybe slowing down, being a bit more accepting and kind of looking at the, the long game of not trying to change or fix anything that goes wrong or doesn't go my way. Um, so what's the, what's the payoff for delaying that kind of problem solving then? <laughs> the payoff is learning to live a life that's just a bit more accepting and understanding that things won't always go the way I want them to. And So is it stuff I, that can't be solved? or To, to a degree, yeah. Like put, putting a lot of energy into the... Um, almost the unsolvable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw in an example that yeah, wasn't, yeah. Kind of, um, wasn't the norm. Um, and that makes me think a bit about what else he talks about around the, um, taking responsibility for your problems. Yeah. Having, having a choice, how you react. Did you, did you find that passage quite interesting? Oh yeah. Like, uh, it's all good, isn't it? To be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah. so like he breaks, so it's like, there's a whole section on discipline and he, he says there are kind of like four tools or four like components of discipline. You've got this, um, delaying gratification and then taking responsibility. And then there's like dedication to the truth and then yeah. finishes on something he calls balancing. So this, yeah. um, I guess this, they all kind of go hand in hand, right? Because to, to delay gratification, you kind of need to be, feel that you're actually responsible for this thing, um, whether it's yeah. your um, body in terms of diet and exercise or, or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, um, I just wanted to say on the delaying gratification one as well, it's not, he also points out that, um, sometimes like avoiding a, yeah, I think you almost said it like avoiding a problem is also a form of like immediate gratification. So like, yeah. um, I don't know. An example of my life might be, I open my emails and I see a couple that I know are just going to like take a bit of thought to process and to write. So I just like close the browser <laughs> and like go off and do something <laughs> else. Like, to, so it, it's almost like there are things which um, 
which you might want to do now, like eat the cookie or like eat. Um, but then there are things that you can avoid doing. So, so it's almost flipped on its head. I'm not articulating mm. this quite right. So you're not, yeah. So you can, if you, if you avoid those things, you're not taking responsibility of your problems. And if you're not yeah. being truthful with yourself and others, you're also not taking responsibility or being open to the, the challenge that's actually presenting you, presenting itself to you. Yeah. Is so by, by like avoiding the email now, I'm like getting that short term relief of like, oh, I don't have to deal with this right now. But obviously I know future Luke will have to deal with it anyway. So it's mm. like delaying gratification can also be, um, or sorry, not delaying gratification can also be like avoiding stuff as, as well as like taking the goodie now like the mm. a chocolate cake might be an obvious goodie, but like the short term relief of avoidance is not such an obvious goodie, but it's probably one that's more common. Mm. Interesting. Like oh, I won't bother exercising now. I'll do it later. Like, I guess the whole thing about I would do it later is another form of like immediate gratification. Mm. Hadn't thought about it like that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Makes you think a bit about people who procrastinate as well. That's obviously what they're yeah. doing. They're putting putting things off. Yeah, yeah. the The section on um, taking responsibility for your problems. The thing, the bit I found really interesting was when he was a basically he was a, a young intern at a um, psychiatric unit, and he was overworking, and his yeah. Um, he had a senior who was, you know, the, the chief psychiatrist there or yeah. um, at the unit. Anyway, so he, he went to him and he was basically feeling a bit rough that he was working more than other people. And he yeah. went to his, his senior to ask about, you know, what can I do to, you know, work less but still get the same amount done? I think he and, was saying, like, can you give me less clients, right? Because I seem yeah. to be working a lot more. Yeah, Try to yeah, ask for so a favour, yeah. Yeah, trying to ask for a favour. He also he basically just wanted an answer from mm. the person in charge, someone to give him some direction. Mm. And the guy said, "You," he goes, "I hear what you're saying. It sounds like you have a problem." Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know I've got a problem. That's why I came to you." And he's like, "No, you haven't heard me. You have a problem." And he kind of like repeats it three times, and mm. it took um, Scott the guy wrote the book to like ages to accept the fact that yes, it is him who has a problem with his time mm. and managing his clients. Yeah, yeah. And it got me really thinking about how when we complain about things or we have issues in our life and we go to other people, what is it that we're seeking to do? Right. And in the book, he talks about how we subtly avoid responsibility. We kind of put it on to other, other people to yeah. solve it for us. It's a subtle, I, di it's a subtle distinction, isn't it, between kind of like bouncing ideas or someone and asking like what, like for a bit of help versus actually giving them that responsibility. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I just think about times in my life where I've maybe I've rung you up and I, I, I think there's definitely been times where I, I've wanted you to give me an answer about what to do <laughs> so I feel better about it. Yeah, but really, that's that's unhelpful in some ways because I'm, I'm take, 
I'm removing responsibility from myself and putting it yeah. on to you. And then when you don't come up with the answer I want, then I'm <laughs> not, not no, I'm never a bit annoyed at you, but it's kind of like, oh, Luke hasn't helped me here yeah. or something, you know? Um, wonder what you think about that. That, that stood out to me quite a lot. Yeah. Well, like just to pad out that story here, he said like he was purposely seeing his clients more often than his colleagues were seeing their clients. Right. And that's why his yeah. workload was higher. So like he had <clears throat> chosen to almost increase his own workload because he thought that seeing his clients more regularly was more helpful for them. But like that was mm. his choice. So like when he asked to see fewer clients, you know, that's like, it's up to you if you want to see them twice a week, you know, you don't have to do that. It's, it's yeah. And he said he chose to just work more that like in the end, that was what he, he accepted. He rather than cutting down, he was just like, okay, I accept that this is what I want to do. And when I see people clock off at five and I'm here to late, well, I can be at peace with that because I know that's my decision. Yeah. I thought it was quite and it, nice. Yeah. In, um, he says that in not taking responsibility of our problems, we, we basically avoid the pain of confronting it ourselves. And basically we do that a lot day to day, he's mm. saying there's so many different ways in which we do that by deflecting and the way to, the way to create change is being open to that, that challenge being open to the pain of healing, I suppose, and the pain of changing. Um, In a way that procrastination is like the delaying gratification and taking responsibility are very similar in the one, in like the first one, you're kind of, palming off responsibility to your future self, which you're just going to ignore at the moment. And then the second one is more about palming it off to other people around you. Other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Do you find you, do you have um, areas of your life where you feel that you, you avoid confronting certain issues and areas of your life where you feel quite comfortable stepping up to the challenge? Yeah, he talked about, didn't he? I did have some notes. He talked about this, I I don't know if it was here, a distinction between like neurotics and character disorders. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And he was saying we're like one, like neurotics take on way too much responsibility, whereas people with characterological disorders like just palm everything off to everyone. So it's like Mm. the, the, um, the classic sayings of the neurotics was like i must i should i have to whereas the classic saying of the character logical disorders was i can't i can't i can't (laughs) Um, interesting yeah so i I think i'm probably more the first like i probably tend to assume more things are about me and my like i'm to blame and my responsibility than they actually are but i think Mm. you know we all experience both right sometimes we're like i can't do that and sometimes we're like i must i have to i should um and what is it about the things that you find difficult to confront like to break it down a bit more what what is it when you when you're faced with a change or a choice point is it a matter of just one option's just a bit easier and a bit less confronting or is it it go a bit deeper than that. And it's a matter of if I make this change, then I'm 
stepping into a new map of reality. Yeah. Stepping I'm, I'm into yeah. the unknown. Yeah, which... Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's, there's more to that that he, he gets into, just around... You have to be willing to be able to let go of certain areas of your life, entirely release them from from your current map you know they, they, they talk about in you know psychology about having having deaths of sorts you know yeah well, for, death and death of your life i wonder if that that ties in a bit to this because i think uh, in this section around so when you want to make a change in your life you kind of give up one freedom for another so for example is in you're going into a, a relationship you have to give up the freedom of being single, but then you yeah. get the freedom of security and companionship as one yeah. example. Um, yeah. I wonder what your thoughts are on that around kind of letting go and giving up certain areas of your life in order to create change. Yeah. Well, the first thought I was having was um, a kind of about the uh, schemas we, we touched on and well, not touched on. We went into depth on in our last conversation <laughs> And, Two hours, <laughs> and so I think depending on your map of yourself depends on like would determine what your biggest threat is. So for me, it's stuff like, um, I'm more likely to say procrastinate on things that I feel might end up exposing me to like failure or humiliation. So yeah. like, that's why something like this is so good. Cause I'm accountable to you now. So I would have, before we decided to do this like um conversation um i would have had ideas before about oh i would like to you know make videos on different um psychological topics self-help topics that sort of thing and and publish them but there's always because there's no deadline to that it's always so easy to kind of procrastinate that to put it off to think oh i'll do it when it's perfect i'll do it when i know more when i do it when i've um grown more something like that um so for me yeah it's that stuff around exposure to failure or humiliation and and stuff like having accountability accountability buddy to like um to sign up to something with is is helpful for that sort of thing and i i suppose in that is also having having a commitment to I suppose what we think about the grand start again, the think about the grand scheme of this book is around spiritual growth and yeah. growing as a person. Yeah. He's, he's saying part of that is discipline and having commitments that you stick to. So in yeah. your example with this, you're, you're committed to your growth in the area of expressing your learning yeah. say, and so am I, um, but we're both committed to, giving this a go and locking in a time, yeah. you know, once a week, once a fortnight to do this and to talk and also not allowing ourselves to possibly get it wrong and yeah, right. enjoy, enjoy the challenge of it. And just that, that commitment locking something in makes such a difference, I think yeah. as well. And especially having an accountability partner. Yeah. Um, it definitely has made me, because I remember when we first started talking about this, I was like, oh, maybe we could do one once a month or we'll do our first one in three weeks' time. You're like, well, how about we just do one this Saturday? <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. yeah, good. Let's do it this Saturday. Let's make it happen. There's, um, 
an example I've got of that is when I think three years ago I did some stand up comedy. Yeah. And the one of my work colleagues, um, he he's like super funny dude, does a bit of like acting here and there and does some comedy. And he's yeah. like, oh, I've got a mate who's doing um, open mic comedy nights. And it's always something I talked about going, you know, it's on a bucket list. You know, we, we yeah. said something we should both do before we die. Um, and I remember him going, it was really good. He goes in, I'm like, Oh yeah, we can do it. Maybe we'll do that. Like in the new year. And it was like October. So that was like yeah. four months where he's like, no mate, there's one in like four weeks time. So yeah. months time. Um, I'll tell him you're in, let's lock it in. I'm like, oh, mate, <laughs> like yeah, mate yeah. we're doing, he said, if you think about it too long, it's going to take, yeah. you, you'll, you'll think you'll, you'll hover on it and you won't get it done. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So I, I know slightly, um, derating here, but I, I That's found that on. really, yeah, I found, I found it really useful having that set time yeah. timeline to work towards. And in that, it's not necessarily the goal of going towards it, but it's everything that led up to that four weeks. So what it did, yeah. it made me, okay, right. This week I need to write some material. Next week I've got to practice. Next week I've got to run through it one more time. And then the week after I'll chat to my other friends, mm. but, you know, actually setting that in stone. So I was open to the challenge and committed to the steps along the way. Yeah. And it almost wasn't so much about, having having an end goal it was more about getting started quicker yeah and having the end goal forced you to put that plan in place that you might not have done if you said i'll do it in the new year yeah it it gave me direction and also allowed me to discriminate between what i actually wanted to do and what i didn't you know it goes right there's one in four weeks time i'm like oh shit like how much do i actually want to do this yeah, is this something yeah. I'm serious about? I think that's something ties well. If you're serious about changing something in your life and it's um, something's affecting you negatively, being uh, taking responsibility for it and being open to challenge means that you're. I don't know if that means you're necessarily ready to go, but those two they're two really important steps to get yeah. you going, isn't it? They talk a lot in. Um, recovery drug and alcohol and any other addictions that yeah you, you wouldn't you won't change unless you want to change and i suppose right. wanting to change means that you're willing to take responsibility for it or you're at least willing to admit that there's an issue in the first yeah. place well it's the first step isn't it but like um yeah and it, it kind of forces you to prioritize and like what is this actually where i want to put my time and energy i guess going back to mm-hmm. like this the schema thing and and the um this idea you said about um like letting things go so f- like when you ask me f- for my ex- um example it might be around like fearing a failure and what that means and um but for someone else it might be around say um, being a bad person or something like that. And if, if each time you take on a challenge, there's a risk that you'll feel that way. Um, then it's, it's easier to put it off than, than take that risk. Mm. Do do you feel there's a, a strengthening aspect in 
continually facing risky or scary things. You know that feeling once you've you've done something you thought was going to be super scary, but it feels you felt okay afterwards and you're oh, glad yeah. you did it. Do you, do you feel in your life that that spurs you on for the next challenge? Yeah, well, or that almost you, defines yeah. what growth is. Like, um, there's this idea... Um, Vygotsky's zone of proximal development. So we have this like comfort zone where we is completely known and safe. And then we've got this like wider area of complete unknown or chaos. Mm -hmm. And then there's this like thin ring around it, which is you kind of pushing your boundaries, trying new things, challenging yourself. And each time you do that and that becomes the new comfort, then your comfort zone grows and grows and what you're able to do expands. And like, for me, that's, that kind of defines what growth is like constantly mm. building on top of your, um, strengths and taking on new challenges. I wonder what makes, makes us forget that because it seems quite, I don't, I don't use the word obvious because I know there might be people listening who it might not seem obvious to, but it feels clear to me that, that's where the most joy and most growth I've had in my life has been yeah. when I've done something that's incredibly scary or high risk. Um, I wonder why we aren't able to hold on to that more regularly than we do in daily situations. It feels like yeah. to me, I take big risks like, once a month or once every two months or something, something like slightly more daring than usual yeah. rather than day to day, you know, having conversation, you know, with, with the best of intentions, there's things I want to improve in my life, maybe around communication or yeah. the way I work and, um, you know, in my friendships, but often reverting back to what's already known but when it's so clear and obvious that when you, you try something new and you, you know, it doesn't you have push, to be you push um, your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you talked about, say doing something more daring and scary a couple of times a month or something, but like some, like doing this, you know, it's slightly outside my comfort zone. Right. So it doesn't have to be like well outside. It's just that I guess, yeah, those daily habits where you try to do something that's slightly more exposing. It doesn't have to be like, you know, doing a stand-up comedy gig or, do you know what I mean? It, it can be smaller. Yeah. It can be yeah. starting a conversation with a stranger in, in the queue to get a coffee or something. It, it doesn't have to be, um, it, it, it completely depends as well on your personal comfort zone. On you. Yeah. I'd say you could, someone could benefit well from actually thinking about what those challenges are and strategizing yeah. you know what, what is it for example if i want to be a better communicator yeah. thinking of touching a bit on what we spoke about last week but like thinking of like exact examples and times that you can practice and do that and that that's yeah. a, that's a dedication that's a commitment to to risk to um challenge. Yeah. I, I guess that would kind of come under the responsibility one so th there's the actual courage of just being willing to experience and um, discomfort in the face of fear. But then there's also the uh, logistics, like <laughs> there's, there's throwing yourself in the deep end, but then there's not knowing how to swim. Right. So, so you, 
you've still got to have some sort of plan. So let's say like it is communication skills. It's like, well, if I was going to strike a conversation with a stranger, what actual words would I say? Like, how would I like, maybe hello might be a nice start. Maybe saying my name, like there's the actual logistics of what you're going to do as well as the um, confrontation of fear. What are your, um, just a brief side note, what's your understanding of, visualizations and rehearsing oh yeah that's i mean that's you say as a side note that's like bang on like what this stuff's about right it's it's it gives you it's our imagination is like this labyrinth to practice facing our fears in without actually having to do it so it's um it's done in compassion focused therapy it's done in nlp like lots it's done lots of sports psychology like before big games and competitions, mm. swimmers and tennis players, like it's, um, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's the best idea to, it's, it's actually something we do naturally. Like let's say you're quite anxious about something. You might notice yourself rehearsing that conversation in your head, sometimes mm. to your own detriment, Like You say you can overthink it, but you can also mm. utilize that to think like how, how am I actually going, like, how do I actually want to be in this scenario? Cause often we, when we mentally rehearse, um, um, like involuntarily just by default, we're often planning our worst failures. So we're like imagining ourselves like crumbling in an interview and crying and them shouting at us <laughs> and it going horribly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas to utilize that to our advantage, you want to imagine, okay, like realistically, how could I imagine myself grounding myself, being calm, like listening, um, stating myself and my aims and my purposes clearly. And like, what words would I use to do that? Like if, if I didn't quite understand the question, like, could I imagine taking a breath and just letting it soak in or maybe asking them to repeat it or mm. ask it another way? Like, so it's, although we might do it naturally, we often do it, to um help us avoid actually confronting the thing whereas we can utilize that visualization visualization to mm. genuinely prepare for challenging situations I, th- I think i wonder um now i'm not sure if this is what he meant by balance but i'm thinking about what you just said there so that's around visual visualizations yeah. intention settings commitment to facing things you know things that require um i suppose will mm. um whereas is the is the other side of it the balance is actually being more being more open and getting some perspective and allowing things to be as well i can see a detrimental side to mm. trying to picture and play out every situation and you can have the intentions to face things head on and um be disciplined and take responsibility for your problems but is the yeah. flip side of it actually that you need to have a new warm-up where you can be quite spontaneous and just allow things to be at the same time. Yeah. So is, that, is, that part, is that part of discipline being, sorry, um, being disciplined when knowing not, not to interfere and just allow? I think this would come down to like, as an, in, as an individual in each circumstance, you probably know the difference. Like, you know, when 
you kind of, I, I don't know, maybe like you kind of know when you're doing something neurotically versus doing something purposefully and helpfully. Right. Um, I think like, at least for me, I can tell the difference to when I'm mentally rehearsing things going horribly at like one in the morning. <laughs> and like, that is yeah. not helpful. I know that's an extreme example, but like w- versus actually purposefully, um, rehearsing something in your head going well for the sake of practice like takes like mm-hmm. you say a bit of will and a bit of um i guess comfort you're even confront confronting a small fear even if it's just in your imagination because it still triggers the same hormones and threat system and everything so you you know when you're i i think if you really listen to yourself you know when you're doing something like that for your own growth versus like over preparing and over visualizing mm. to um for this because you know you're trying to grab too much control and things have to go to plan otherwise it's going to be awful mm. and that sort of thing but yeah i, I can see what you mean There's, there can be a a risk of like thinking something has to go the way you visualize it going otherwise you'll be thrown holding into it chaos. Too t- yeah yeah holding it too tightly um something i i've been doing recently that i found i don't get instant gratification for it but it's something i feel plays out nicely over the days in the mornings i've started doing some intention setting yeah um so less so visualizations and rehearsing but more, I guess, thinking about some of the challenges I might face that day yeah. or reflecting on maybe I was, you know, a bit tense in this situation or I didn't communicate well in this situation. I got a bit uptight here and there and just trying to set myself an intention to be, to be, to be a different way without being critical. Yeah. You know, just going through things like today, I'd like to be more, more open. I'd like to listen a bit more. I found, for example, listen more or um, speak a bit clearer or make better eye contact. Just in saying those in the mornings, I feel like I'm putting them out there to myself early in the yeah. morning before any, any information's gone in. So that'd be after my morning meditation. Yeah. And before the world comes rushing in, at least I've, I've grounded myself and, yeah. you know, dug, you know, not dug my feet in, but I've, I'm clear on how I want to be today. So if I'm faced with choice points or certain situations come up that cause me fear and I'm likely to fall back into an old pattern of behavior or resort to an easier way of dealing with the situation, I've got, I've at least got something stirring in my mind from the morning to point me in the right direction. So yeah, less so playing through exact scenarios, but it's almost reconfirming my my values yeah how, how what's important to me how do i want to be today and i found that really useful i don't yeah. know if that's something you've started doing recently or you know people who found that helpful yeah no that sounds really it's like um so in visualization i guess we were talking specifically about imagery of specific situations like oh i have this interview at two o'clock or like I'm playing a free kick. Yeah, I'm playing <laughs> Rafael Nadal <laughs> at four. Like, and I'm planning that specific yeah. case. But, but I guess you're talking about like 
well, despite whatever situation I'm thrown in, there are certain things that occur frequently. And like, this is the attitude, mentality, intention, mm. value I want to take to these types of situations. However, you know, even if they're not specific to, and, and I think, yeah, that's, that sounds really helpful as well. It's, um, Hmm. it's almost like you've, got, you've got the visualization component but you've also got the honestly almost like emotional or like attitudinal component that's like this is how i this is like the state the physiological and bodily state i want to like bring to these environments hmm. um and it's also um my mind can't stop <laughs> thinking on this one but um it's another side of it is what what do i need to let go of today and that was a really good one i learned when i was um there's a time i was running this youth camp uh, a year ago and my my boss at the time yeah. um we all stood outside so we, there was a group of young people we were going to run a whole weekend for a three-day course and they all they're all in the activity room that we were about to go and start the process and the three of us who were working with them stood outside and she said what is what is one thing you need to let go of before we start this whole weekend? And, you know, my one, my one was around, you know, not worrying about organizing anything anymore and things running absolutely perfectly, just trying to be here in the moment and just allowing, allowing the youth group to run as it will and just let the, you know, relationships develop organically. So letting go of my need to, control and fix things and for things to play out the way i want them mm. to and that's another aspect of that intention setting that i found really good just saying today it's it's not avoidant in a way sometimes it can feel it if i'm a bit critical i'm like today don't get fucking wound up by so and so the other part of it's like just let it go or just hold this lightly don't you know if something's caused me tension or anxiety for you know, five days or something, you know, um, just choosing in the morning, just go, can I just let this go for today? Mm. Like stop front, mm. you know, and it's, it's not as simple as like, stop worrying about this. Cause it's not that easy, but th there's aspects of it that you can let go. There's parts of your, your temperament or the way you're behaving that are probably feeding that anxiety or that worry or, mm destructive behavior like what part of it can you let go like do i need to not worry about impressing other people today do i need to just stay in my own lane and just do my thing and keep my head down mm. so yeah on, on the flip side to that intention setting but also learning what to let go of and that's something yeah. you talked about in balance in balancing in more of a broader sense across your life like you will have to let go of certain notions in order to change which is scary he said like he really highlights that that yeah. is an incredibly confronting thing to do and we don't do it very often yeah yeah and i think so that probably moves us to this um truth the mm. dedication to truth so it's like this is where this book really ties in nicely to what the last one because he was talking about these um you know, through our early experiences in life, we build these maps of the way the world is, who we are. And like, once they're built for the first time, they're like, that's our safety net. We're, we're born in terms of that 
Vygotsky's zone of proximal development were born into absolute chaos. Like there's nothing, we have no maps for anything. Poss- you know, I guess you could argue we have some basic instincts we're born with, but like we need to, we need to build our view of the world. And once we've got that, that's given us this sense of like safety and control. So to then later on go and challenge those is again, throwing us into that realm of chaos or unknown. And, and that challenge might even be telling, telling the truth in a situation. Yeah. Is it, you know, like if I tell the truth here, I will be seen for so-and-so and that will challenge the map of who I am or how other people see me. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're protecting your map from challenge by lying right. or withholding truth. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's both truth in terms of like, dedicating yourself to the to the truth for you and then there's also telling the truth to others even when it might be difficult mm-hmm. um which uh it's interesting it, it was i didn't mention it at the time because i thought it was skipping ahead too much but when we first started this call you talked about when you were first um you know suggested this book you kind of didn't want to confront the section on love because you knew it would be confronting, right? And it's almost yeah. like there might be some nuggets of truth in there that you don't want to change your it. current that, map. <laughs> 100% nail on the head. I'm like, I'm, I'm too fragile to hear anything true. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to hit the mark at all. Yeah. Because I'll, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. It's um, interesting as well. I think um, next week we're talking about lying by Sam Harris. So yeah. I think we'll definitely expand on this one a lot more next week, mm. I think, which is a super interesting topic. But yeah, that that notion of, I suppose, in telling the truth, you bring the, the reality that's reflected back at you will also be the truth. And that's actually facing the challenge mm. of life is by allowing the world to hit you as it is because by lying you're trying to change reality yeah like either shape the way people see you or like i don't know avoid the fact that you've procrastinated and try and make it look like you haven't or you're trying to shape your view of yourself trying to make sure that other people's maps of you is the way they want you you want them to see you and yeah yeah I think this is, um, yeah, for those, those listening, I'm really excited to get into, this definitely leads on to what we'll be speaking about next week. So if you're interested in the concept of uh, truth and whether or not to lie and that sort of thing, um, white lies and black lies, and you talked about grey lies as well, it's something we'll talk about next week for sure. Yeah, so I think for, for me, the way I've kind of internalised this talking the truth to others is is quite far down the line like there's there's so many ways in which and we like you say because the next one next week's about lying maybe we can leave it for then but like before we even get to communicating with other people there's just like there are so many mental gymnastics we can do to avoid truths just to ourselves with no one else involved right Mm -hmm. like we like i said a moment ago we've got these mental maps that we've these schemas we've built early in our life and we want to cling to them because challenging them is scary. So we might even avoid, it can be, you know, some people will just, um, 
I don't know, avoid watching a news channel when they know it's like of a political agenda that they disagree with or something. It's like, well, I don't even want to see that. <laughs> like, um, as opposed to purposely seeking out mm-hmm. um, opinions that challenge yours. Or um, lots of the times, we'll, and this is where all the, the CBT cognitive distortions come in, like la- labeling's a big one. But if I can just call someone a dick or label that as stupid or then like i've i've tied a knot around it i've cleaned it up i've i've mentally compartmentalized it as this label and i don't need to like think about it anymore or, or dig it apart or um can lead to confirmation bias later down the track as well as right, yeah, yeah. a number of opinions about something it ties in a bit to um the 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 section he has on a dedication to reality, I yeah. believe. I think it's um, all in the same section. Yeah. It's all in the same section. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested um, to start talking about the section on love. If sure. you're happy to move on. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, I mean, very confronting chapter in a lot of ways. I, I don't know why I found it so confronting. I, I, I suppose I, I haven't really read much on it and I know he was writing quite maybe a bit more candidly than more an instruct instruction manual or anything like that. But I, I found there's some really interesting sections on um, the risk of independence, the risk of commitment, mm. how love is discipline. I wonder whether um, we could just start off by giving his definition of what love is. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, say what I think I remember and you are filling the gap. So it was kind of like, yeah. I did write first, it down. So oh, okay. <laughs> you now, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, firstly, it's a verb, right? It's not, it's not a feeling. It's, it's, it's a choice. Like we can choose to love. It doesn't matter. You know, you can wake up ne- next to your partner one morning and, um, be filled with like, awe and gooey dopamine feelings for them. And, yeah. Um, but you can also wake up next to them full of like (laughs) contempt and frustration. And like, that's, (laughs) that's, um, in terms of love, that's irrelevant. Like it's how you choose to behave and what you choose to say and, um, Mm. your dedication to their spiritual growth as opposed to like how you feel, which is obviously not how we use the word most of the time. Usually when we say, I love this, it's, mm. it's, it's how the, how it makes us feel as an object of our gratification. He's, he describes it as an activity and an investment. Yeah. Which I think kind of, oh, that's what you were saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, Sorry, there's two words that you didn't say that I thought should be in there. (laughs) (laughs) You did well there, mate. Um, He talks about, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, because I've never actually said it out loud. Cathaxis? Oh, Cathaxis. Cathaxis, sorry, yeah. yeah. So basically saying how um, we can cathect something, but not be in love with it. And my understanding of cathaxis is that um, basically if we decide something is important to us because we're naturally quite selfish beings and they're 
their presence or their um, admiration, for example, is important to our well-being, mm. that can that can feel like love because an object or person mm. has become has become important to us, but that's only dependent on how well they react to us or what we get out of that relationship. Whereas I believe yeah. the love he's the love he's describing is a, a commitment, an investment, and isn't reliant on yes feeling and not it isn't dependent on their their behaviors so much would that be right or have i yeah yeah so um when freud talks about cathexis i think of like imagine you've got this entire span of conscious and unconscious um and your attention could be on any one of 10 million things right but for some reason we have this like spotlight of attention that that um puts it somewhere and if you imagine like when you get a crush on someone you fancy someone there might be a spring on this spotlight and it just keeps popping back to them all the time like there's all, all these other things you can have your attention on but you're just focused on them and like that's that's what i think of as cathexis it's just like a, a thing that like it's the spotlight that guides your attention to something. And because yeah. it, uh, as an object that can like gratify some need of yours. Um, That's it. Yeah. But like, but the object being the like appropriate word, because that there's a difference between seeing someone as an object and seeing someone as, as a subject with their own inner life, their own hopes and dreams. And like, they might clash <laughs> with, gratifying your desires but like if you're truly if you truly act in a loving way to someone you're acting in such a way that you're wanting their growth to flourish so you know you're not trying to like keep them in the house and make sure they mm -hmm. cover up so you don't get jealous like you, you're, you're wanting them to grow and spread their wings mm -hmm. and um be who they can be in the world <laughs> And that, that involves extending, extending yourself. It's not, it involves you doing something pretty much like that's what he talks about. The, the, the action involves you extending yourself for the purpose of their spiritual growth, not just your own. Yeah. Because he talks about how, I don't know if you can expand on what I'm about to say, but he talks about how the, we're we're quite naturally selfish people and we're trying to gratify ourselves quite a lot of the time yeah and that people he compares it to like when people say they love their dogs yeah that they only they only love their dogs when they're kind of behaving in the way they want them to yeah and making them feel good about having the dog but the moment like the dog's misbehaving yeah it's almost kind of like the love could go out the window. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering if you could elaborate a bit on the, his view on when people are being self-serving in love. Yeah. And, and yeah, just about that. I, I think it can be. Um, so firstly, it can be really obvious and I'll just throw in, a, I'll try and think of an example of that to get it out of the way, but like, yeah, say, say jealousy. So, 
um, you think you love your partner, but like you tell her she can't go out with her mates and she can't wear that type of clothing and that type of makeup because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, like, yeah. And you think, well, I wouldn't think that way if I didn't love her. It's, it's because I love her that I like, uh, w- like a- I'm acting like this. I'm acting in this jealous way. So that, that's a kind of extreme example of seeing someone as an object for your, um, either as a, as a tool or an obstacle to, to gratifying your desires. Mm. But I think it can be way more subtle and like a personal experience that I've been, um, uh, like really hammering home this year, which has been really helpful is like, so sometimes if I'm feeling some, um, anxiety about seeing particular clients for some reason, I've noticed that that anxiety is um, not about them. Like that's, that's about me. It's like, am I, is, is the challenges that they've brought to sessions. Um, so if I were to explain this, uh, like what my unconscious is doing, it's like, is the challenges that they've brought to sessions challenging my ability to be a good enough therapist and if so i feel anxious about that because that shakes my map of myself and if i Mm. see myself as a bad therapist that feels awful whereas that's all about me so whereas when i actually so now when i notice i'm feeling that anxiety like that can now be my cue to like like notice oh i've they're now an object of me being a good therapist rather than um me actually diving into seeing them as a subject and thinking about like what is best for them. And when I get into that space, I'm never anxious. Uh, Sometimes I'm Mm. sad. Sometimes I can be frustrated because of, you know, what they're going through. But when I'm really thinking about what's best for them, sometimes I might even be confused, but I'm not anxious. The anxiety always comes from when they're an object of me being a good enough therapist. And that can be mm. quite subtle because you could you could see someone be feeling anxious about that and thinking, oh, they must really care about those clients of theirs because you know they're on their mind and they're they're like um, really trying to process these problems. Whereas actually, it's quite a subtle distinction between me being selfishly thinking, "Am I good enough?" rather than actually th- thinking about them. Not to them, yeah, that sounds quite freeing. Really, oh, sounds it really like a is. lot of unnecessary suffering has gone out the window for you that's quite i mean it's something i constantly have to recycle and yeah keep going through yeah. but yeah when i notice it and i can be like this is about you like what are they are they actually going through and like how can like um scott peck saying like what like think about their spiritual growth and whatever you can do for that don't think about the challenges of not being good enough yeah, that's something I think about um, as well around it can, it can get quite easy to put, have your well-being dependent on the reaction of other people. Mm. And rather than seeing yourself as separate, um, I can easily find myself feeling quite caught up in the way someone's behaving towards me so he talks about in this chapter around love is separateness so there's you them and the relationship yeah and i found that quite quite an interesting one because it can be 
you can see some some couples who end up it's almost just like they're you know people describe themselves as like my better half or my other mm. half they're, they're seeing themselves as kind of not not whole without the other person yeah so he talked about yeah there's there's this whole development of ego boundaries where you're kind of born not knowing what you are and then like your caregivers are just this blur of mixture of you and them and then as you get older you learn to distinguish what's different from you and the world and you Mm. get this sense of independence and difference and individuality and when he talks about like falling in romantic love like that's another stage in our life where our ego boundaries just blur again and we feel just like this uh like you say, just whole with another person, like we're, we're one unit of thing. And, um, which he says is fine for like a honeymoon period, however long that lasts, what, however many mm. months that is. But like, that's something that you want to grow back out of and see each other as individuals again. And that to mm. truly love your, you're seeing them as separate from you. And he, he talks about it happening again with children, right? That there are some parents who, they see their children as like their possessions, their um, extensions of themselves. And like, Mm. and that they, he he put a really nice poem in there about parents who, um, you know, shouldn't be um, seeing them as seeing their children as as extensions of themselves as, as things to like put their own thoughts and values into and to live the way that they want them Mm. to live. It's really interesting. That's that's me that bit actually. Mm. So when we really what? love people, we see them as their own individuals that we want to flourish for their own sake, not to some prescribed like prescription of what we want to um of how we want them to be. Like for mm. example, our dog or our pets. He actually compared pets to like people <laughs> like some people treat their children or their partners as pets right in the same way as like well we love them when they wag their tail and are nice and give us affection but we hate them when they piss on the carpet yeah yeah it's uh yeah you have to read that very carefully to make sure it's <laughs> exactly the same is it um there's something um there's a couple of sections i wouldn't mind touching on yeah. um the one he talks about risks. So in love, there's certain risks you have to go through. And there's, there's two that stand out to me. Yeah. Um, the first one is the risk of commitment. So he talks about that in the sense that, um, committing is, is the foundation to, any relationship which sounds really <laughs> really obvious when you say it like that yeah. but um basically you're you're committing but you're also committing to give up other things as well so you're not just committing mm. yourself to that person but you're committing to leaving certain things behind as well and i think yeah. that ties a bit into you're committing to confront your map of reality which we've touched on um there's so i'm just reading a couple of notes here it's he says that the risk of commitment is the risk of self-confrontation and change 
it's mm. really confronting to let let go and let yourself in to someone else's life. Yeah. I don't think you <laughs> don't think you or I are qualified to handle that. <laughs> no. I, it's uh um yeah. There's definitely this one. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this um I don't know if it was in this book or not now, but I was reading something about like stages of development and like in your say teens and early twenties, so much of the world is like, you have so many options you could like in terms of career partners, everything. Um, but, but it's not like, it's not, you don't just have time to sit and pick your thing. Like you, you're the choice will happen to you, whether you just whether you choose or not, because you just time will go on and you will get older. So if you get to 40 and you still haven't chosen a career, like <laughs> it's not like you still have that choice available. It's like, well, all that time's gone now. So it's, mm. it's almost like commitment is, is like pressed upon you. And, um, it's probably better to do it deliberately than just to procrastinate and let time happen and just mm. fall anyway the wind blows. Um, I know that's slightly different from the romance you were talking about, but like it, it reminded me of that. In terms of romance, yeah. What, what do you? What I'm curious more. What you think about what you said about um, like what you're confronting when you commit? I'm not sure. I quite. I'm not sure I'm resonating with that. Like you're confronting mm. yourself when you commit to someone. Well, it's, it's confronting to know that you're going to have to leave some aspects of your life behind. Yeah. That's confronting. So what that would be like moving, I don't know, it could, it could manifest in many ways, couldn't it? But you know, that's like moving cities for someone or maybe, not ditching a certain group of friends, but maybe not spending as much time with a certain group of friends or for some yeah. people it might mean they can't, it's confronting to know that, yeah, they can't go out partying every weekend anymore because they need to invest time in, in their relationship mm. or, or they've chosen to, <laughs> they don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do I say need? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, I, I, maybe this is just how I see it, but it feels like there's a certain level of confrontation yeah. In that you're being, you're faced with a choice point that requires you to leave behind a certain level of independence. Yeah. And if you're the sort of person who is used to your independence and making, not, not having to consider another person's spiritual growth yeah. on a day to day basis, yeah. that's, that's a confronting thing to do. I imagine there's some people, um, possibly the secure types who this isn't even a thing, but I guess I'm just thinking about how, I don't know. Is it, is commitment confronting for everyone? Probably not. I don't know. What do you think? Can I explain myself? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about this balancing. So for example, there'll be some people probably the more um, anxious types who will, you know, want to go straight from family home into relationship. If that relationship breaks down, have another one. Like 
they can hop to straight away and like want mm. nothing more than to be dependent right so so that's um that's the other side of the coin which is for some people commitment isn't like it's independence that's confronting not commitment so in terms of this balancing the other way right yeah yeah, yeah. it's like finding maybe for you and i like independence is by far the easier option and then commitment is the more confronting one but for some people commitment might be mm. this comfort zone and like their yeah. spiritual growth might require them to mm. find more independence right well i think you know in terms of it being confronting i'm not i'm not saying that in a in a bad way no but it, it's it's sometimes confronting for there's also the risk of like feeling like you could have made the wrong decision as well. Yeah. Like you're, you're facing up to the fact you're open to the fact that this could go wrong. This could end. Well, it will end eventually. Yeah. Right. Well, one of you like, will die. Yeah. One of you will die, which is, um, yeah, bleak, but true. Um, it's, so I get that that's confronting in itself, isn't it? To your, you're now opening up a door to pain. Aren't yeah, you're even guaranteed potential. Pain. Well, it's pain or yeah. death. Pain or death. So <laughs> happy Sunday, happy Sunday night here in Melbourne. About that, but, um, yeah, but so it's, I think that's what it's, I think that's it's so I think, rare yeah. that you could commit, and if it does end it's not in pain. Like it's almost pain's almost guaranteed if you commit. Right. Um, so if you're able to accept that, yeah. Any, I think that's what he talks about. That's why he calls it the risk of commitment because the risk is that it, it could end in pain. Well, it will, it will end in yeah. Pain or death. So it's, it's sort of, in accepting that, does that make commitment easier? Is that what you think? No. If you're able to accept that this this will end eventually, and just to hold it a little bit lightly, but yeah. Whereas if well, accepting not, it will make it easier, or completely avoiding it might make it easier as well. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I guess in what are we doing when we're not we, but one maybe we one is like not committing. Mm. What what are you avoiding then? Are you avoiding that risk of pain? Is that what you're doing? There, there could be other reasons. You I don't, don't think necessarily. I think if you yeah. if you knew the payoff would be worth it, you'd take the pain, right? That's why we leave our comfort zone in any situation. But I guess it's like, well, by making this commitment to this specific individual it's like well like there are there are like four billion other people that are potential partners like that it's a hell of a it's a hell of a gamble to <laughs> to pick one <laughs> um, mm. and then and like you say because you're giving up so much you it's easier, I don't know, I guess from my perspective, it's almost easier to stay with the um, the goodies that you know you have rather than risk them for 
goodies you may or may not get. Like I, I mean, I'm, I can be quite content and happy being independent and not committed to a partner. And so you risk, you, you give a lot of that up by committing to someone, but you could potentially gain so much more. Mm. Um, but it can feel a bit like rolling the dice, right? Mm. And it's, th- th- there's a risk in that if, if you commit that you, you can be deserted before you desert them. That's something he says in the book. Oh yeah, is that people people don't tend to commit because that means that I can desert you before you yeah. desert me. <laughs> Did so you? Uh, there was the um, that bloke on Afterlife who was posting dog shit. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, putting his post in the dog shit bin. And he yeah, was yeah, like, that's, yeah, I know. Right. He was saying <laughs> like, um, it was like he, Ricky Gervais was like questioning you know why he was alone he was just like i never wanted to be of anyone because they could always leave me (laughs) and it's like really tragic (laughs) it's really depressing yeah he's just like yeah basically just saying like what's the point because i'll get hurt anyway yeah 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 was there um so was there anything else in the section on love that stood out to you um so we've done like the risk of commitment and spoke about confrontation and um a bit about independence within the part of love is separateness. Um, is there anything else? I've got, there's one more section I wanted to cover, but is there anything you wanted to speak about? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, apart from, uh, I've already mentioned this in terms of when I talked about my clients, but like in putting it into romance, this, the, yeah, by far, by, but because we've talked quite a lot, I just want to highlight the biggest idea that was like most important for me. And this Mm. idea of like your partner, like if, if you have a partner that your love for them is about your attitude, words and behaviors in aid of their spiritual growth, like despite them as being a, um, object of your gratification in many ways you you know whether it's um i don't know there's sex or food or just watching what you want to watch on the telly or whatever it is like there's it's there's something about that that sounds so simple that um yeah like next time i'm in a relationship i would want to really like harness and make a habit the same way i have with like my clients when I've started to feel anxiety and I'm recognizing actually this is self-indulgent, like this is all about me. And if I'm good enough, like mm. it should be about them. And I think, I guess the, the whole, cause the whole book's about spiritual growth. It's almost like you've got your own spiritual growth where it takes all the discipline tools we've talked about, but then you've got yeah. like the, the aiding other people's spiritual growth which has this cyclical effect because that that's also your spiritual growth, right? How, helping others like being a, yeah. being a, um, a good for a force for good for others, well-being and growth is like the next level. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, he, he says when you grow, I grow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, sounds very simple, but it's very, very beautiful. There was, yeah. um, there's one section he talks about love is um, discipline 
and yeah. a, lot, a lot of that in, in the context of service as well yeah. to the partner. But he, he uses this really interesting analogy about this couple that are like on and off. They're really dysfunctional, highly passionate, and, you know, sounds, you know, really interesting example anyway. But he, he basically says that like, yeah, you can, you can have a painting with all like these beautiful like splashes of colour just thrown all over the place and it's like passionate and, you know, fiery and things like that. But it won't, it won't make sense if there's no kind of, um, what would you call it, like outlines to colour within? Or you mm. call it? Yeah, yeah. So he, he says he's not, he doesn't want to make love sound boring and passionateless. Right. Passionate less but he 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 does kind of fire home that there needs to be discipline and dedication and some order within that because right. it can't love can't rely entirely on passion right yeah um i don't know if you thought that section was interesting or that uh, that rings true in your life yeah i mean it makes sense but it probably I think it's something actually I completely agree with, but probably like I've uh, maybe I've already sort of um, integrated that. So I just sort of nod along in agreement reading that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chaos, order, need both. Yeah. Maybe that's another area of balance that he addresses mm. um, in in love that he, you know, he does really fire that home that there needs to be discipline and structure and communication and that sort of thing. And that, and, and a level of res- taking a level of responsibility as well to do that and a commitment to your partner. It, it all really ties in, doesn't yeah. it? It's, um, yeah. Anyone listening to this it's a fascinating chapter. If you want to read it, it's yeah. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed this chapter on love. Mm, I think that's, mm. Uh, romantic love is probably the you, you, so in the first section when we talked about responsibility I think mm-hmm. romantic love might be one of the harder places to apply that because like it's so easy to get caught up in a like they've done this <laughs> and like just yeah. like my emotions my negative emotions are their fault like even if you don't phrase it like that to yourself there can just be this mm-hmm. attitude that that's true and I think that's um if, if if I wasn't with them, then there'd be no reason to feel like this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. After yeah. this is this is stuff. Um. Yeah. Listen to a re- yeah another interesting podcast today. And so, someone was saying that yeah when they get in those arguments and have those disagreements and start playing that blame game that you're talking about, they're saying they've said that no, this is my shit from like ten years ago. This mm-hmm. isn't this isn't them. Like be able to you know be clear enough or disciplined enough to see the difference but mm. it's incredibly hard to apply yeah like how many f- films or tv series do you see where it ends in a blaze of glory and they're just like you ruined my life you bitch like it's just putting everything on the other person it's which yeah it's so hard like when you're in that much pain to be like i'm responsible for this pain <laughs> yeah yeah and especially when yeah as you say it's added in the context of romantic relationships yeah <laughs> so i'm thinking i would like to hear about what your your view was on his section on um growth and grace to um, kind of 
so, our final the final couple chapters to cover. Yeah, just the other half of the book. But um yeah, I True, it is half <laughs> I um so there's a lot of like religious stuff and mysticism in here which didn't really I didn't really relate to to be honest. So I don't have um I mean I could talk about it objectively what he said, but in terms of like the stuff that resonated with me, that that was all in the first two sections. So Yeah, me too. I think and plus it's just a lot more yeah, it's enjoyable talking about those two because yeah. you can tell we're both really interested in them. Um, it's interesting like he he hints towards some really suspect areas like into like psychic stuff and ESP and like um miracles <laughs> it all gets a bit like oh he right talks about, um, en- en- entropy as well doesn't he that the, the, uh, that, the i found that actually work. yeah i found that quite interesting. interesting and i've actually yeah i even remember as a kid in science thinking that like if because in physics you learn entropy is like everything getting more and more disordered but then in biology you learn about evolution and everything getting more and more complex and organized and it's like well these two yeah. add up um he didn't really answer it but like it's an interesting to think about um yeah i just found that quite interesting it's uh, i don't know how yeah. related it is really I, I can't even remember the context of how it relates yeah to so you're talking about basically yeah just that we we as a as spiritual people, we are like move the world. We are moving towards something. You know, uh, we're yeah. not like we're not stagnant, like sat in space. But we are. It's, it's a hard one to describe. I think I got it. It was like a metaphor. Yeah. Well, I think he meant it literally, but I took it as a metaphor for like, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we as a as an individual for our spiritual growth, we've got this inner struggle. There's this like oppression of empathy that if we don't take responsibility stuff will just kind of get more chaotic and so it it like takes kind of this effort and discipline to um to make things more ordered and um in a chaotic world yeah so he's he's kind of comparing like fate so it's like a little thing that's like yeah fate and then your kind of will and discipline and there's the line that goes through the two that's kind of a moving force. Like right. both both aspects of I don't want to use the word fate, but I think you're getting this from tough. happy, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll let that was you in the, finish. Sorry, no, that that bit it is related, but that was that graph you just mentioned was from Darren Brown's book, right? Where he's Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of see them the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, because he he talked quite a lot about, I, I, and this this sort of jarred with me a bit. He talked a lot about laziness, and that like some people are just like lazy, <laughs> and that when <laughs> if, if you're lazy, then en- entropy will kind of get the better of you, and things will kind of go to shit. Yeah. Whereas you need to kind of get your act together and like confront your fears and take responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, fair enough. But I think um, I think that labelling, I found it a bit like. I think when we're like, you can, there are times where you can kind of really feel motivated to get up and do something. And that feels awesome. You get to that flow state. There are times where you feel like ridiculously sluggish and lethargic and you just want to procrastinate and turn the world away. 
And then there are those times where like, you really don't want to do something, but somehow like some, some value triggers or some memory triggers and, and you find it in yourself to get up and, and do it anyway. It's something moving you forward. Yeah. He, yeah. And but you um, can't quite I think yeah. that like those three states and everything in between them, is it, is it interesting to, to notice to notice them for a start and to, and to wonder why, like what, what has me in one state where I'm just motivated and what has me in one where I just don't want to face the world. And I think I found that kind of labeling it laziness and you just need to push through. I found a little, like a little lazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit unhelpful, isn't it? Labeling like that, but also it's also encouraging you to think a bit about what, what is that, driving force that yeah. keeps you moving forward even when things aren't going well or, or when things are going well what is the i guess this is just something for you to answer or just to think about is like what, what is it that keeps you going yeah because it might not be that obvious to you um what's the driving force is it just kind of your values or your get trying to get your certain needs met yeah. but there's the, he, he's describing something there's something in the universe and the way and the biology and the chemistry of the universe that keeps things moving forward yeah. and evolving yeah. Well, i don't yeah i don't think he really answers it i think um and i'm sure we'll, we'll do this another time but like the research on habits often for me has the answers to this kind of thing Th those moments where i really don't want to do something but i end up doing it it's because like i don't know the yoga mats already set up and on the floor right there and it's like yeah i just need to make that one decision i don't have to i don't have to get anything out of cupboard like it, the, the sometimes it can be just little easy things like that um mm -hmm. the you know the the beer is not in the fridge and i would have to put it in the fridge and wait at 40 minutes or so for it to be cold to have it <laughs> i won't yeah, bother yeah. like it's little yeah. so um that's yeah it, i think, that's I think it's a habit time. research that helps me most with that kind yeah of. well yeah i'm i'm excited to talk about that one as well yeah. so i think that, that's our next couple isn't it or you know um things we'll be talking about anyway yeah. in the next one we're going to be talking about um lying by sam harris yeah and um yeah is there anything else you wanted to say on this or um you happy I, i'm i'm feeling like i managed to cover everything i wanted to speak about yeah good stuff loved it oh, so um oh, enjoying doing this mate yeah yeah cool well yeah i there just i was curious you didn't i you asked me about what i thought of the last couple of chapters you didn't you kind of said you agreed but didn't really say what you uh, thought yeah i didn't i i struggled to get into them as much like I, I totally agreed with the the bit on growth and religion that chapter you said didn't land that well with you i think um and entropy was the bit that stood out to me yeah so i'm like glad we spoke yeah. about that and if i'm honest i it i haven't got much to say on it i'd, yeah. I'd, I'd rather not try and yeah like elaborate on something that didn't catch my eye. I think discipline and love were the two bits that cool. um, really excites me. And it sounds like that excites you too. So I'm happy we got to speak about those. Yeah, so yeah. Um, a risk of sounding lazy and sounding like I didn't actually read them. 
I'm pretty happy with <laughs> those first two sections. Um, and it was nice to confront mm. the section on um, discipline and love because that's one I avoided previously because I thought yeah. it would be too confronting. So it's nice yeah. to voluntarily confront something with a, with a good friend who, um, who has a good understanding of it as well. So thank you, mate. Yeah, thank you. I um, cool. yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, I found this book really inspiring, at least the first half. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I recommend it and I really appreciate doing this with you. Cool. And look forward to chatting about Lying by Sam Harris next week. If anyone yeah. wants to read that, you can get it on, um, it's on an audio book as well. It's quite short. I think it's about, basically a long essay. It's about 100 pages long. You can get it on... Um, I've seen it on YouTube and Audible and stuff. So if you wanted to have a listen to that before next week, mm. yeah, you can um, knock out in a couple not, of hours. <clears throat> yeah, and if not, it's uh, it's around truth, lying, and um, reality, I guess. So yeah, looking forward to it. Speak to you then, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah.